Welcome to the Hidden Voice Podcast with me, your host, Samala Bygraves. This is a podcast for women who are desiring an exploration into shadow work. It is for those who are ready to uncover the wisdom that lives within our deepest fears and the liberation on the other side of transforming the shame and guilt that shrouds our past experiences. Join me and astrologer Danielle every fortnight as we shed light on the hidden parts of ourselves and society that have been kept in the shadows. This is a space for raw conversation, rebirth and transformation. This is where we uncover our hidden voice. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hidden Voice Podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed the first five episodes. So if you're just tuning in now, this podcast is incredibly new. It launched on the 22nd of March and it began with the releasing of the first five episodes. So if you haven't already listened to the first five, I really encourage you to go back and do so. And this podcast is a combination of interviews, but also solo episodes with me. And the intention of this podcast is to really begin to bring what we keep secret and hidden out of the shadows and into the light. Because As my friend Danielle said in one of the earlier podcasts, there is gold in the shadows. Not only do we keep the kind of, oh, the stuff that we don't want to talk about and the shame and the guilt and the judgment in the shadows, but we also keep our gifts in the shadows. We keep our power in the shadows. You know, we keep our deepest secrets and desires and wants for ourselves in the shadows. So, You know, this is really about beginning to reclaim your voice, your truth, and connecting to all parts of you. So if you are new to the show, before every episode, we are going to hear some beautiful astrological and cosmological wisdom from Danielle. Danielle is an astrologer, trauma counselor. She also works in human design and she is just the most beautiful guide and really has an amazing way of telling a story and really facilitating a space for true integration when it comes to using these modalities of understanding the self. My journey with astrology has been kind of lifelong. I've always been deeply um, curious and connected to the planets and to astrology, but it wasn't until I met Danielle that I really began to learn how to integrate and understand the archetypes and how the energies are playing out within my life and within me. I myself am more connected to human design. So human design is another kind of tool of knowing the self and understanding the self. But for me, it's really resonated and it clicks with me on a very different level. But astrology put together with human design is just kind of like this really amazing winning combination. So, you know, in terms of these podcast episodes, we are always going to hear sort of a five minute 
piece from Danielle and the theme will be relational to what is being discussed in the episode. So on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about and beginning the conversation around menstrual shame and a person's experience of monarch. So this is the first period and, you know, it's in a really incredible rite of passage. So I'm going to be talking about that and just beginning the conversation because this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Like it's not going to be like a one-time thing. And you will see this, you know, as the episodes go on, you know, we will come back to certain themes and to certain topics because, you know, as we begin to kind of really pull this stuff out, we see how it's really interlinked and connected to so many other things. So I'm going to begin the conversation. Um, If you have anything that you, you know, any curiosities, any questions, you can absolutely get in touch with me. You can head to my social media. All of the information will be in the show notes. I also just want to kind of let you all know that this podcast is being recorded in Australia. I am currently visiting family. I am currently in Perth. So I am recording from my dad's study. If there are any kind of noises in the background, then that's why, because I'm in a different environment. And yeah, just slowly getting over the jet lag of traveling. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode, the piece from Danielle. She is going to be talking about Lilith and the story of Lilith. And Lilith is a goddess and also a planetary body. So really um, interesting how this relates to the theme of menstrual shame, of reclaiming your feminine power and your sexuality and really stepping into kind of full embodiment, which I am only just now really discovering for myself. So enjoy this episode. I hope that it sparks some thoughts and some conversations for you in your own life. And as always, please head to the show notes for after if you do wish to get in touch and to continue the conversation. Today, Samala, we're going to talk about the Lilith archetype. Lilith in astrology is an interesting placement. Lilith represents our primal urges and unconscious desires. Lilith is connected to our basic sexual nature and to primordial instincts. So Lilith can be found in various Jewish myths and folklore. Lilith is referred to as Adam's first wife in the Garden of Eden. And myths suggest that the first woman was made at the same time as the first man rather than from the man, as other Christian texts may suggest. So it's understood that Lilith refused to be submissive to Adam. She would not let him on top of her in the dominant position of sex. So this simple fact of her saying no and imposing her will caused her to be punished by God by being expelled from the Garden of Eden. So after this expulsion, angels were sent to bring Lilith back. Adam wanted Lilith back. But that would only happen if she apologised and agreed to be submissive to Adam. And of course, that didn't happen. And it's known that Lilith had well established herself with a life outside of Eden. So God created Eve to accompany Adam in paradise. And Eve was the opposite of Lilith. Eve was submissive and accepted Adam as her superior. It has been said that Lilith's greatest act of rebellion was offering the apple of knowledge to Eve and to Adam, and this culminated in the expulsion of the two from the Garden of Eden. 
So when we're looking at this story or this myth through various different points of view, really what we see is Lilith both as, as the rebel in search of freedom and as a villain. But Lilith is synonymous with strength and with courage, especially in the feminine aspect of these traits. And this is where the main characteristics of the Lilith archetype reside. So when we're looking at the Lilith archetype, we see that she does not submit to anything that could make her feel inferior or bad. She challenges the structures established by a man and precisely because she is a woman, she suffers the consequences of her challenge. However, even being punished, Lilith does not put herself in the position of a victim and reacts by creating her own lifestyle and consequently becoming a threat to what was already established. We see this then as a real revolution. When we are looking at Lilith in astrology, we look to Black Moon Lilith for this archetype. So Black Moon Lilith is not a planet or a body, but rather a um, mathematical point in the sky and should not be confused with the asteroid Lilith. So when we're looking at your natal chart, at your birth chart, where Lilith is by sign, by house and by aspect is where you may have felt ashamed. So shame, ridicule, where you may have felt misunderstood or repressed or suppressed in some manner. Lilith is believed to be a powerful feminine force within both males and females, one that can also be seen as dangerous. So in many ways, she represents the shadow side of our nature. Lilith can lend us the power and the strength that we need to help us to embrace the worst sides of our character. So for whatever reason, you may be wary of expressing those traits or parts of your personality. And you can also feel really uncomfortable with other people who are doing that. So if your Lilith placement suggests that you have experienced shame or ridicule for your anger, you may feel really uncomfortable when other people are angry or that might be the same with with wealth or with being particularly or overly sexual. It can make us feel uncomfortable if that's a part of our trait or part of our personality that we have shoved down. And so it's here that we also find our shadow, the parts of our nature, the parts of our character that have been repressed through some degree of shame. And this part of us then requires liberating it's through our Lilith sign that we find that uh, strength and that power to liberate those parts of ourselves. Now, let's remember that shame says that we are not worthy, that we're not worthy of love, that we're not worthy of belonging. And so then shame can only be dissolved through telling stories, through talking in safe spaces about these repressed feelings, about these parts of ourselves and about having open conversations like these ones that liberate and encourage others to do the same. Monarch the First Bleed is one of the most significant moments in a woman's life. You know, it really marks the beginning of the life-death life cycle within the female body. And I believe that in order to support the generations to come, it is our responsibility to heal the period wounding, the body shame, 
and the perspective we have as adults around menstruation, our body, and claiming our power as creators. Your monarch experience matters. And, you know, even if you're an adult now, you know, as many of you obviously will be if you're listening to this show, how your parents and the adults in your life reacted to your transition and initiation into Monarch, you know, that really matters. You know, our experience of Monarch in our first few bleeds has the power to set the tone for how we will relate to our body, to pregnancy, to motherhood, to parenting, to birth, to sex, you know. And the reason why I want to bring this conversation into, you know, this space is that, you know, I'm a parent myself. I'm a parent of um, two daughters and a son. But also from a generational standpoint, puberty is happening earlier, which means that monarch will be happening earlier. So this means that, you know, we've got these generations coming up who also need support and guidance through this, you know, beautiful rite of passage. So puberty begins with breast bud development. So for those of you, like just a little bit of like kind of understanding around puberty and and monarch. So puberty begins with breast bud development, and this is typically around the age of nine or 10. And what we have now is that we have 50% more seven-year-olds are beginning puberty more than just 10 years ago. So we have a huge wave of puberty beginning at around about seven. You know, my daughter's five. So this means that within two years, she could be moving through puberty. The average age for monarch, so again, this is the first period, a century ago was 17, and then it fell to 13. So I was 13 when I had my first period, and then within the last 50 years, it has fallen to roughly around 12 and a half. So, you know, we can see that, you know, we have in a way less time before the, you know, the younger generations are beginning to go through this rite of passage. So the sooner we begin having these conversations, the more positive the outcomes will be for the child's physical, psychological, and mental health. And I think that another reason why I want to bring this up is because, you know, there are a lot of parents who are really unsure of how to begin this conversation and also are still yet to understand their own, the own, you know, the inner workings of their own body. So, you know, we have these parents who are now needing to support their child as they go through puberty with little to no understanding of how their own bodies work. And then this is going to bring up a huge amount of stuff because, you know, it's very, it's going to be quite um, confronting when your child is going through puberty. And if you yourself weren't supported through puberty, you know, this can bring up a lot of stuff. So it is a really great time for healing. And it's a great time for, you know, really having a look at like, oh, how do I actually feel about my body? How do I feel about how I was supported? you know, do I carry any menstrual shame or body shame or sexual shame? So, and I really also truly believe, and, you know, I feel like this has a real deep link to how we treat the earth. You know, I really believe that how we treat our bodies is how we treat the earth, how we treat mother earth. When we have this deep connection to the rhythm of our own body, then we can't not have a deeper connection to the rhythm of the earth and the seasons and respect for each season. And I feel that that is something that we sorely need right now. You know, I am not one of those people that is sort of like, oh, we need to save the world because I truly believe that if we 
all do the work to save ourselves, then inevitably that is what is going to save the world. So, you know, I'm not someone who is out there like we need to save the world. I'm more like, hey, we need to go within and save ourselves. So that's very much my standpoint. So our initiation into Monarch not only affects us physically, but psychologically too. So again, you know, when we enter into Monarch, we're also entering into the phase of maiden. And then when a woman becomes a mother or sort of matures into the summer of her life, she enters into the archetypical phase of the mother. And then when we begin to move toward menopause, so perimenopause, we enter into the fate, like to the um, season of autumn, which is also the phase of the enchantress or the wild woman. And then when we are sort of postmenopausal, we are then in sort of the phase of the crone. So, you know, each phase affects the one after it and each phase is connected to the experiences that a girl or, a, you know, a young person will have on in have in early life. So, even in early childhood, you know, this will affect her experience of the next phase, you know, and we do have studies that show that stress in early life, adverse childhood experiences have, you know, there is a link then between the experience of perimenopause, um, you know, and, and, and having quite a, I guess, a bumpy transition because, you know, these transitions are meant to be smooth. You know, they are meant to be smooth. It's like uh, just moving through one season to the next. It's a completely natural thing. But then what happens is, is where we're experiencing extreme stress and trauma and not healing and suppressing emotions. We're then experiencing more adverse hormonal symptoms because the body is stressed. So therefore is unable to really move through these transitions with ease. But not only do we move through these seasons in a macro cycle, but we also move through them on the on a micro. So these our internal cycle is deeply connected to these archetypes and we each have an inner maiden, mother, wild woman and wise woman and each of the archetypes brings deep wisdom potential and and sort of like certain aspects for us to use to explore and move through the world with. So we're kind of really able to access different parts of ourselves depending on you know where we are within our phases and there's great gifts within that but then there also comes like a lot of shadow with that as well so the psyche and the experience of monarch go hand in hand and you know of course if our experiences were less than ideal if we are carrying any wounding or shame around our experience of monarch if we don't feel that we were supported then we can actually do the work to heal the wounds around our monarch experience we can actually go and have and experience a monarch ceremony now. You know, as an adult, as a grown person, we can actually go and really heal and work with our own inner teen and the inner to, you know, really heal that space. But wouldn't it be so lovely for us to be initiating the younger generations into the magic and the power of their body? Can you imagine if we had been provided a safe, secure, and embodied space to do just that? So we kind of have the responsibility of healing ourselves but then through that then we're going to be creating a much safer and secure space then for you know our daughters our children our young people as they move through this rite of passage and really what this is going to enable us to do is actually really feel confident and embodied in expressing our needs and aligning our life with the rhythm of our body can you imagine that 
<laughs> you know, um, and then by supporting our young girls to be the advocates for their health, we will be impacting the health of generations to come. So we are supporting them to become advocates for their health now, as opposed to waiting until they are adults. And, you know, I really believe that it starts now. You know, and there really has never been a more important time to impart the truth, wisdom, and knowledge that everyone should have access to. And again, it really starts with our own exploration into shame, guilt, and and the disgust that we may have been witness to or hold or held within ourselves when it comes to the female body, the bleed, and ultimately our own inherent power. I really see it as no coincidence that period shaming exists because what more powerful way to create a deep disconnect between a young woman and her body, you know, and then this allows her to be controlled, manipulated and discouraged from asserting herself, you know, there is deep wisdom within our body and there is true power. And I know for myself that I experienced that sensation of power, you know, as a young woman, I really felt that within my body. You know, we also have to think about our own relationship to the word power and actually what it means to us because I think power can have a lot of charge. So really like feeling into the charge that we have around certain words and really removing any kind of like or balancing the charge around certain words. But, you know, I really noticed as a young woman how people started to treat me differently as soon as I hit puberty and monarch. You know, I was unaware of what I was emanating because I wasn't told. I wasn't told about my body. I wasn't told about how it would feel, how the sensations would change. You know, I wasn't told about that. So I was very unaware of it. And then, you know, I began to hear and see the narratives all around me. You know, don't let anyone see your pad. Don't let anyone see your tampons. Don't let anyone see your body. Don't let anyone know you're bleeding. Make sure you don't get any blood on your clothes. Like, you know, heaven forbid, like a boy would see that you're having a period. Like, you know, and then we have the other kind of aspect to kind of entering into Monarch and, you know, moving through maidenhood is that if someone finds you attractive and they give you unwanted attention, you know, the questions are and still often are, well, what were you wearing? You know, did you give them the wrong idea? Or that's just how it is. And also what's even, you know, alarming when you realize that the questions also come within. I'm questioning myself, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? How can I suppress, hide, and make myself less shiny in order to avoid somebody else's behavior, you know, which is kind of always putting the onus back on ourselves. You know, we're not responsible for somebody else's behavior. For many of us as well, you know, there's a balance between this having to maintain like being attractive, but not too attractive, being feminine, but not too feminine, being intelligent, but not too intelligent, you know, being competitive, but not too competitive. And there is just this constant like pushing down. And I do see actually, and I do feel that this suppression begins much earlier than Monarch, you know, it begins at birth because I've watched my daughters and the way people treat them and react to them. I see how embodied and how powerful and how wise my kids are. And I see how uncomfortable it makes people. And I also know how uncomfortable it's made me at times because my conditioning will rear its head and say, that's too much, that's too loud, that's too powerful, you know. And then also when we really look at that and investigate, where does that come from? That comes from an instilled underlying fear that as a woman, 
I may be the cause of my own demise through being too powerful, too liberated, too sexual, too feminine, too masculine, too outspoken, that if I'm not careful, I'm going to be burnt at the stake, you know, and I really feel like, and that's a conversation for another time, but we all carry that witch wound within us, being persecuted for being a woman. So there's this really interesting web, like I said in the opening, when you begin to pull one thread, you see how it's deeply connected to many different things. But keeping the kind of the focus on monarch, you know, it's really important to me that I don't pass those narratives onto my children, to my daughters and to my son. You know, my son, he has seen me have my period. He has seen me pregnant. He has seen me breastfeed. He has seen me be a woman, you know, he's seen the functions of my body. You know, it's not like he is just there. I've not hidden it away from him. I have not given it another name. I've not given my body parts another name. He knows what the the correct anatomical names are for a woman's body. My daughters know and have known since they could speak what the correct anatomical names are for their body. And I just think that, you know, this is where it starts. And also it's my responsibility to heal the wounds within me and decondition from the narratives, the things that I've seen and heard, you know, play out over the course of my life. So I think that if we can begin to dissolve the shame and really shift the perspective that we have around menstruation and around the female body, then you know, we're less likely to cede our power to another. You know, we're less likely to give our autonomy away. And we're also less likely to stand for any boundaries that we have. You know, we're less likely to stand for those boundaries being violated, especially when it comes to our bodies and our health and our well-being and the way that we're treated. You know, we are going to be more likely to be able to set firm boundaries and really connect with our body. Because if we continue to see the bleed as a nuisance, then we are actually less likely to be present for the wisdom and we are less likely to experience our highest potential for health and well-being. Because if we are intent in shoving our cycle into the cupboard and see our body as the enemy and the source of our suffering, then we miss the actual the vital messages. You know, it wasn't uncommon for me when I was working with health coaching that a lot of my clients, they really resisted their cycle. Um, They really had this real kind of almost like this desire and this longing to be connected, but also this really ingrained, like, I just don't like my cycle. I just don't like my period, like really resistant to it. And they really only wanted the spring and the summer, you know, the the first two phases or the the first half of the cycle, but not the autumn or the winter. You know, and a lot of this also came from real deep fear of resting, a deep fear of slowing down, a deep fear of being out of action and not being seen as productive and having to say no. But like the seasons, our body is not designed to be the same every day. And the seasons pass through us, and each one is vital and deeply connected to our mind, body, soul our mind, body, and soul health. You know, hormones get the blame for all of our health problems. When in truth, the hormones are the messengers. You know, if it wasn't for the hormones, our body wouldn't function at all. You know, so we have this generation of women who are deeply disconnected from their bodies, their emotions and their cycle, and don't really kind of connect that their body is the home that the hormones live in. You know, and if you think of yourself like a plant, if you don't place it in the right environment with the right food and the right nourishment, well, eventually it's going to wither and die before its natural time. And our bodies are no different. So, you know, when we are suffering with chronic illness, painful periods and other issues, it's not that we want to negate that. So we also have this other narrative, which is like, 
or that's just what it's like to be in a woman's body. I do feel like then then what happens is is that there's this deep longing to be connected. There's this deep knowing that there's something more. There's this something that we're missing here. But then we have this shame, this anger, and this resentment that we feel around our bodies. So we don't want to, like, I think we want to acknowledge that. So it's like acknowledge the shame and the anger and the resentment that you may have around your body and then begin to heal that. You know what I mean? So it's like don't suppress that. But then it's like, okay, why does that shame and um, anger and resentment actually exist in the first place? So it's like acknowledge that that's how you're feeling and then begin to ask the question. And then perhaps we can begin to see that there's a connection between the anger, the shame, the resentment that we feel around our bodies and perhaps our painful periods and, and our chronic illnesses. You know, maybe the two things are connected. I know for me, I suffered with really heavy periods and fibroids and I was suppressing my emotions. I was suppressing my creativity. I was suppressing my feminine energy. And when I began to embrace that and heal my trauma, you know, along with supporting my body with healthy, and I say healthy, I mean, you know, really nourishing, supportive um, lifestyle habits along with supporting and really beginning to live in congruency with my true self you know my periods began to dramatically improve and my fibroids began to shrink so again I'm not saying you know I don't know for certain obviously if that's why but I just you know again we have to look at these patterns you know and I'm just posing the question I'm just posing the question for you to begin to explore this for yourself so but I really do feel that when we have this deep resentment to our bodies you know if I wasn't a woman if I didn't have a womb then this wouldn't be happening I really feel like all of that you know the anger the resentment the judgment the frustration the actual physical illnesses that we're experiencing you know I really I really question like this is you know is this a direct result of our oppression and the suppression and the consistent narrative that being a woman is inevitably painful, uncomfortable, and ultimately inconvenient, and it gets in the way of being productive. And I feel like that that actually distracts us from the truth, which is that our bodies are deeply wise, ever-changing, and that when we are supported, nourished, and taken care of, you know, we actually experience the opposite. You know, we experience deep comfort and pleasure and inspiration and creativity within our body. I'm not I'm not saying that we're not going to experience challenges in life, but in terms of our experience with our body, I really feel that, you know, if we're staying in that place of resistance, then we never actually get to move out of it and we never actually get to experience the full potential of what it means to be a woman. You know, and this really begins with Monarch because, you know, it's the turning of the seasons, the beginning of the cycle within us the signal that we are ready to become the powerful creators that we were born to be. You know, we create life within our body. We birth life. And of course, that's not without the masculine. It's not without the other. But, you know, our bodies are deeply powerful and deeply creative. And our cycle is not just about creating life. It's also more than that. But I think we, we you know, we don't want to dismiss the power and potency of that fact. And then there is this great quote by Jane Hardwick Collins, which is menstrual shame leads to body shame. 
body shame leads to low self-esteem, low self-esteem leads to all manner of wounded behaviours, including self-harm, eating disorders, and risky and dangerous sexual decision-making. And I really just see that as a very powerful quote because, you know, for myself included, you know, I've struggled deeply with body dysmorphia and eating disorder. And a lot of this came from hating my body, hating my female body, because I wanted to claim it, but I'm terrified of claiming it. I'm terrified of my power. I'm terrified of what that means, you know? So I really feel that we need to have a look at, you know, menstrual shame in particular and how that is impacting our own lives, you know? And then again, that really, really begins with Menarche because how a young girl feels about her body during Menarche and maidenhood will be carried through into motherhood and so on. You know, I know for myself personally, I displayed many aspects of the maiden shadow well into my mid-20s and into motherhood. You know, I didn't even know that these archetypes, what these archetypes were or how they existed within me and my own psyche until, you know, the last year or so. And my experience of Menarche set me up for the experience of my next rite of passage, which is childbirth, you know, as it does for all women who go on to bear children. And the shame, the secrecy and disconnect that a woman will experience as a mother, you know, it's the same shame and secrecy we experience as maidens entering into Menarch. You know, we are, I believe we are still being initiated into menstrual shame. And if we truly want to claim our power, then we can begin by addressing where we ourselves are carrying the shame and the shadow around our bodies, our bleed, you know, our sexuality, our creativity, all that stuff. You know, and many women, you know, myself included, will reject, have, you know, I have rejected my feminine energy and then really lean on the masculine in an unbalanced way because of how society has labeled women feminine to be less than, you know, and to be, and then we have this power. So we have this power word to be in your power, to be powerful. You must be completely in your masculine, you know, but this is not true. And for many women, you know, for many people, there are experiencing burnout, psychological and physical, you know, and they're suffering because they're rejecting the innately feminine aspects of their body, you know, such as their womb periods, their cyclical nature, their emotions and so on, you know. So I've spent the last three years deeply connecting to my cycle whilst healing trauma. And in truth, I've only just entered into really owning my my power, my body, being embodied in the wisdom and the potency of my body, of my womb, and you know how all of that really resides there, you know. And that does include bringing harmony to both the masculine and the feminine energy. So I'm not talking about male, female, like gender. I'm talking about the masculine and feminine energies and what that represents. And the womb is our fertile ground for life. It's the fertile ground for receiving, but it's also there for releasing and for death. You know, our bleed is a mini death. You know, our bleed is the archetypical phase of the crone and where we resist death and endings, we resist the possibility of new life and new creation. And just as we can see how in society that the elderly, aging, death and dying, you know, really hidden away in society, you know, so is the bleed and so is a woman as she moves through her bleed. You know, it is no coincidence that a woman is taken less seriously when she's on her bleed or during the week leading up to it, you know, because these are two very potent phases. This is when a woman has her sharpest senses, her strongest intuition, and the most potent connection to her body and her emotions. What a better way to really silence this wisdom by labeling a woman who is moving through these phases as crazy, hormonal, or emotional, you know, and that you can't trust yourself, can't trust yourself, can't trust myself on my period. Well, actually, it's the opposite. 
whatever you're feeling, whatever you're wanting, whatever you're desiring, you know, there's truth there. So question is like, you know, do you reject yourself during these phases? Do you listen to the wisdom of your body? Do you listen to your inner wild woman and wise woman? You know, do you allow for deep rest and introspection? Because your body will do whatever it needs to do to get you to listen. So I just want you to think on that for a moment. Your body will force you into rest. Your body will force you to listen. Your body will force you to pay attention. Your body is deeply intelligent. So just think on that for a moment. So we all have an opportunity to heal, to reconnect, and to access the true power that lies within our body, and no one else can do the work for us. So I hope this episode has given you some food for thought, and if you are curious about your menstrual cycle, your hormones, you know, and really beginning to live in congruency with the natural rhythm of your body, get in touch, send me an email, send me a DM on social media. You know, I really love to hear from you and we will be coming back to this conversation, but I really hope that this has just given you a nice introduction into this topic. You know, we will be talking about this more, you know, I will be bringing this theme back because there's a lot more to dive in. I just wanted to, to open the conversation as it were. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the launch of this new podcast and yeah i'll speak to you in a couple of weeks bye if you're listening to this then you've made it to the other side of the hidden voice podcast and we want to thank you deeply as some of you may know i've birthed my first book this year spiral it's my personal memoir of rebirth reclaiming my voice and facing my shadow Head to the show notes for how you can get your hands on a signed copy of my book. And if you would like to continue the conversation, subscribe to the show and be sure to share and review this episode.